take your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 22 through 30 this morning. We started this series through the Gospel of John in January of 2021. And here we are. It's going to be pretty soon here, a few months, two years into this this study. And I've had a blast preaching through it. One of my favorite books of the Bible by far. And John just nails it when it comes to who Jesus is and what he came to do. And how many of you say, you know what? I, from time to time, need to be reminded of all that I have in Christ. All that he is and what it means to me. And so I think this is so much as for the believers as it is for those who are not yet in the family. And, uh, of course, the theme of the Gospel of John, let's just remind ourselves, is uh, that of belief. John wrote this as the evangelist, and uh, he had a heart to see people come to know the Savior. And the truth is, I think any Christian who is right with God, they have that same heart. I know many of you are, in, are praying for, for lost loved ones, and, and, you know, this holiday season, you'll have them at your home again. And that's why we, that's why we're having three services <laughs> on Christmas, you know? We want to encourage you, invite them. They're going to hear the truth about Jesus. They're going to be presented the gospel in a way that they can understand. And I've learned this, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When the gospel is preached unapologetically, <laughs> it just let it do what it can do. And I, I love that I get to preach the gospel. And I love that I get to do it here. This is a special place. What you just experienced the last half hour, 40 minutes or so, when you get to worshiping with us and you, you sense the presence of God, that is not the norm in most churches today. I want to tell you that. I uh, was sitting with a friend yesterday, and he was explaining to me how the church that he's at, it, it's, it's dead. The worship time, you might hear one or two people singing. No one's at the altar. People are disinterested. They're on their phones. And what's going on here? I just want to compliment you guys. I complimented the earlier service, too. I love what God is doing in, in our church. And you guys are, are, are a blast to, to, to worship with. You're, it's my favorite thing to do to preach at this place. And, and um, I just want to encourage us. In the days ahead, you know, worship's going to be even more important. As we see... The things around us decaying. We as, as God's people, we're going to have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. How many of you guys say, you know, last week or so it's been tough. You know, just the direction that I see, you know, my nation going, the direction that I see sometimes even in our own home. And I want to just encourage us. Let's, let's continue to press in. Okay. Just want to remind you all too, there's still that 6 a.m. prayer meeting and we're, we're here pressing into God. All right, so let's start reading in John chapter 10 and verse 22. If you're there this morning, your Bible say amen. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice 
and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We pick it up here in John chapter 10. It's some two and a half months since the Good Shepherd message that Jesus had given. And John, he couples these two events together, even though there's some time between them, because the theme is that of Jesus being the Good Shepherd, the shepherd and the sheep. And so we find our Savior coming into Jerusalem to observe the Feast of Dedication. And let me explain what the Feast of Dedication is. You may know it by a different name, Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights. Now, it took place in their time, on their calendar, around the winter time. We see that John outlines that very clearly. It would have been around December in our time. And the feast commemorates the rededication of the temple uh, by Judas Maccabeus in 164 or 164 B.C. Now, this feast commemorated the cleansing of and the rededication of the temple after three years of desecration by Antiochus Epiphanes, king of Syria. Now, I want to just give you a, an idea of what was going on during that time. It was a horrible time in the history of Israel. Antiochus, he attacked Jerusalem and he instituted his reign of terror in the Jews, on the Jews for three plus years. I want you to just listen to me what he did during his reign of terror. He stole millions of gold and silver from the temple treasury. He then made it illegal, punishable by death, to have any portion of the law. He then made circumcising children punishable by death. Mothers who were caught doing so would be crucified with their children hanging around their necks. He caused the temple to be a house of prostitution. He then set up a great altar for burnt offerings that was to be offered to the Greek god, Zeus. They there sacrificed pigs on that altar. Over 80,000 Jews were killed during those three years, and the equal number were sold into slavery. And as I was reading this about Antiochus, I, I, I couldn't help but think about the fact that Jerusalem, they went through this because they had turned their back on God. And often throughout the history, you read it, the Jews would go through seasons of rebellion from God and they would begin to serve false gods and they'd begin to offer their children up to Molech and they'd begin to do like the nations around them and it always ended up very bad for them. God would use a foreign nation to come in and to judge his people. Doesn't it seem like even though we are in Israel, doesn't it seem like that's what's playing out in America today? It seems like they're trying to uh, take away the, the law, right? They're trying to teach our children a different way. They're trying to uh, give them their culture. You see it every from why, what does a kindergarten need, need to know about uh, gender or, 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 or need to know about drag queens? But we see this happening. I'm telling you, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm telling you, the devil, he has the same tricks, and he just, he, he recycles them on humanity. 
And this is what was going on uh, at the time uh, in Jerusalem before the, the, the Lord raised up Maccabees. And um, he was, his name was Judas. And, and under his leadership, the temple would be restored and there would be a purification that would take place. And you guys have heard the story of Hanukkah, that they went into the temple, they begin to clean it up, and then they set up the seven-branched candlestick to relight it. And there was only one cruise of oil, unpolluted oil, that could be found. This cruise, still intact and sealed, uh, it was enough to light those those lights for one night only. But miraculously, it lasted eight days as they prepared new oil. And it was, uh, of course, a, a miracle. And this is what the feast was commemorating, how that once the temple was cleansed, once the, the rededication of the temple to God uh, took place, that he showed up, he, he, he performed that miracle on the very first Hanukkah. I'm telling you guys, we're asking for God to rend the heavens. We're asking for God to do something in our nation. But I truly believe this isn't going to happen until the church is cleaned up. And that means that you and I rededicate our lives to Jesus. That we give him our all. That we give him uh, every single part of us. And that is the type of church that God's power can be found. That is the type of people that God can use out of these walls. And I am convinced that what we are needing most in America is what you hear all the time from this pulpit. We need revival more than we need somebody in the Senate or in the White House. Let's keep it real. If God were to come back today, he wouldn't start outside of the church. He'd start with us. And he'd have plenty to, to, to fix in us, if we're honest. We're so prideful. We're so arrogant, American church. We're so powerless in the face of the enemy right now, and it's, it's sad to see. And I want you to see Jesus, he's going to observe this feast, and it's not by accident that Jesus is there. See, it was believed by the Jews, of course, that the Messiah could possibly come during their feasts. And this being the Feast of Lights, Jesus being the light of, wor- of the world shows up. And he uh, is going to have a discourse with those religious leaders there. Notice that John is very careful in the first uh, few verses here in 22. To, uh, to tell us that it's winter time. It's, it's during the cold season. But I think not only this was this true as far as the temperature, the weather in Jerusalem at this time, but also the spiritual condition of Jerusalem. These people were going through the motions. They were going through the, the rituals. They were going to feast to feast, but they weren't really seeing a move of God. And here, Jesus, God in the flesh is before them, and the leaders can't even recognize it. The location of this encounter is at the temple in Solomon's porch. It was a beautiful uh, porch-type outdoor area on the eastern side of the temple, and it would be a point of separation in the temple. And immediately when Jesus makes his way into the temple, they surround him. I think they were waiting. Oh, if he shows up, we're going to corner him. We're going to make him tell us what we want to hear. Now, they were not asking the question that they're going to ask, I'm going to share with you in a moment, because they wanted information. 
What they wanted was evidence to further convict Jesus. You see, because if Jesus is to admit to them plainly that he is the Christ, they could go and run to the Romans. They could go to Pontius Pilate. They can go and, and, and accuse him as a insurrectionist so that they could have him put to death. The Jews didn't have authority at this time to put anyone to death. So they knew they would have to manipulate the system to accomplish what they were planning. And I want you to see this. Many people claim that they, they are open to the truth of God's word. They are open to who Jesus is, but truly in their hearts of hearts, they hate him. They, they have no desire to know him, and, and, and they willfully reject him. And this is where those religious leaders were. So they cornered Jesus. The Bible says that they surround him. I want you to see it in verse number 24. Then the Jews surrounded him. And said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So they're speaking to Jesus and the Bible is saying that they spoke to him with with directly. They, They were bold to ask him this question. Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly if you are the Messiah. And, um. So Jesus, he hears the question and he's going to respond. I want you to see verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. Jesus answer is one that's very direct. They questioned very directly. Jesus gives a clear answer. He says, I told you. And not only did I tell you, but my works are witness to the fact that I am from the Father, that I am who I have said that I am. And um, the the fact that they were asking him this question, it goes to show you that they uh, had rejected them many times before that Jesus had uh, clearly stated to them of his identity. I want you to see it. Just bear with me as I read through the many different ways that Jesus told them who he was. He told them that he was from heaven in John chapter 3 and John chapter 6. He told them that he who believes on him will receive eternal life in John chapter 3 as well. He said that I am the unique son of God in John chapter 5. He said in John chapter 5 as well that I will judge all humanity. He said in John chapter 5 that... They should honor him as they honor God the Father. He said in John chapter 5 that the Hebrew scriptures all speak of him. He said, I told you that I am the perfect revelation of God the Father. In John chapter 8, he says uh, that he was completely sinless, that he never did anything that didn't please the Father. He said that he was uniquely sent by God in John chapter 8. He said before Abraham was, I am in John chapter 8. He said, I am the son of man as prophesied by Daniel. He said, I will raise myself up from the dead in John chapter 10, verse 17. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Jesus had told them in many, many different ways who he was. But they willfully rejected him. I'm telling you, the world today, same thing. They deny Jesus, but they cannot dispute his life, 
the perfection of it, the fact that he literally rose from the grave and there was over 500 witnesses. They, they cannot deny that there was a man who walked the planet, who even though he had no army, he, he subdued kingdoms, even though he had no medicine, he healed the sick, even though uh, he had no kingdom, yet men and women left all to follow him. I'm telling you, there's no denying Jesus of Nazareth. There's no denying that the faith that we hold to this morning, this book that I preached from this morning, is divinely inspired by God. Uh, there's no denying the accuracy of it. There's no de- denying the historic uh, relevance to it. There's no denying our faith this morning. But men and women over the millennia have continued to reject Jesus. Why? Because men love darkness. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you've heard his voice, and we're going to see this in just a moment, if you've believed on Christ, you're in good company. You are a, a child of God. You are not in darkness. You are not confused about the most important person in all of history. You have uh, eternal life. We're going to see in just a moment. And I don't know about you, but that excites me that I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not in blindness like these men. Jesus said to them, I have told you. But you believe not. But he goes in deeper. You remember they came to him asking for him to speak plainly. And Jesus is going to do just that. Probably more than they wanted him to. (laughs) You cannot corner Jesus. He's going to expose them for what they were. I want you to see in verse number 26. He says, but you do not believe because. So he's going to give them the reason why they don't believe. You are not of my sheep. You are not of my sheep, as I said to you. It's often people who do not have faith in Christ. It is because they willfully have chosen not to believe. Jesus did not say here that they did not have the ability to believe. And and I know we talk about this from the pulpit often, but we do not believe in predestination when it comes to salvation. We believe that God has given every man, woman, boy, or girl a free will to choose Christ. And there's much scripture to, to back this up. But God does not predetermine, but he does pre-know. You understand that? He Jesus knew who would reject him and who would accept him. He knew that these men before him would reject him. Even unto death, even after his resurrection, these men, these very same men, what did they do? They paid the soldiers to to keep quiet. They refused to repent and to change course. Jesus knew this because he, being God, knew everything. And so this is what Jesus is saying. You guys, I know you. I know your hearts. I know you will never believe on me. You are not of my sheep. That's why you don't hear my words. And sad to say there are men and women like that today who no matter how much evidence they hear, no matter how many sermons they hear preached, no matter how many miracles they may witness, no matter what uh, evidence is presented to them, they will refuse, they will reject God. And that's a scary place to be. And so he said, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. The Jewish leaders did not believe because they didn't understand. It's because they willfully rejected. Spurgeon said this about unbelievers, some of them anyway. I believe there are some people who just do not understand. They just have not been shown the gospel yet. And, I, I, and that's a whole different 
thing, but this, what Jesus was saying about these men, their unbelief was rooted in, in wickedness and rejection of God. They were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They had just done it um, by saying that Jesus had a devil. But I want you to see, he says, Spurgeon said this, your unbelief is just evidence that you were not chosen. And uh, some people will take that and just say, oh, see, look, God chose us. Some I don't I don't truly believe that. Spurgeon, he was a Calvinist, but he said, I preach to every man because I don't know who, <laughs> you know, who God will say. I don't know. But I want you to see, he said that you have not been called by the spirit of God and that you are still in your sins. The truth of the matter is that there are those who willfully reject and they uh, they take that rejection even into the grave. And Jesus had told people more specifically a few occasions that he was the Messiah, correct? You guys remember in John 4 with the woman at the well, the discourse with this woman? And um, she said, when the Messiah comes, he will teach us all things. Now remember that? And Jesus said to her, I that you speak of am he. He said it to her clearly, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. And she left her pot and she went and she told people, right? He told her clearly. He also told the disciples clearly. You remember when he took them to Caesarea Philippi and he said to them, he asked them a question, who do men say that I am? And uh, they said, oh, some say that you're a prophet, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say this and that. And then he looked at them and he says, who do you say that I am? And they said, well, Peter, as a spokesperson of them, he said, we believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus confirmed this by saying, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Peter, but God. And so there are other instances where Jesus reveals himself as Messiah very plainly. But, I'm, but we will see throughout the Gospel of John, as time goes on, Jesus, uh, he's more and more uh, more selective with whom he reveals himself to as he gets closer to Calvary. And I don't understand everything about that, but there is going to come a point in every person's life where God, the Holy Spirit, is going to convict less and less and less. And do you know there comes a point in every person's life where they will have the last opportunity to place their faith in Christ. I'm thankful that, you know, I've seen people saved on their deathbed. But I wouldn't risk it. Because we know it. Sometimes in those last hours, your mind isn't in the space that it needs to be in to make a willful decision. And so we, we've got to... Choose Christ while we can. And if you're here this morning and you're searching, you have questions, I'm so glad that you're here. But I really pray that you listen to uh, the word of God because Jesus, he is the only way, truth, and life. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only one who can offer salvation to anyone this morning. And you have a choice. You, you, you have to receive him or reject him. There's no in-between. To hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to walk out not responding, you know what you're saying in that moment? I don't need it yet. You are rejecting. You are uh, putting him off and you don't want to do that this morning. So Jesus, he, they corner him and they ask him, who are you? Tell us if you're the Christ. And he tells them. And he tells them 
that these men were not his sheep. And the reason why they didn't understand and believe is because they were not of him and they rejected him. And I want to just just say something this morning. You know, we live in a day where there is no shortage of preaching There's no shortage of resources where people can hear the truth. The Bible is still the best-selling book in all the world. We have access to the truth of the Word of God like never before in history. But it seems like less and less people are coming to faith in this country for sure. Do you guys know that the the grass, the the, the, excuse me, the fastest-growing religion in in America? You want to know what it is? No religion. You guys want to know what happened when? We voted this week for, for we, we as Christians, I hope we voted against Prop 1, but it, we saw that it was overwhelmingly passed. Do you know 68% of all single women voted for abortion over life? We are seeing the fruit of a godless society, of a society that rejects God and his truth. And, and do you guys know that it isn't the Constitution that gives human life value? You guys know that, right? Who gives human life value? We are made in his image. We are image bearers. God, this is God's uh, word. This is God's will that, that we shouldn't shed innocent blood. And, and uh, he hates this. He hates it. But I'm just telling you, never more are we needed than in a day like this. I don't know about you, but I'm not discouraged. Because I, I truly believe That revival usually comes in the darkest of times. That when it gets as dark as it is, right before the light, the sun comes up in the morning, you know it's the darkest time of the night. And I truly believe that there is hope for this country because there are remnants like Westside, like other uh, Christians who aren't bowing the knee to the culture. So Jesus tells them who they are, but then he goes on to talk about his sheep. And this is where we get into the portion of the message where we learn that we are secure by our shepherd. I, I, I want to just tell you this morning, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have a relationship with him, you are secure. Your salvation is not up in the air. It's not dependent upon you. It is uh, in the hand of the one who saved you. You couldn't save yourself, nor can you keep yourself. Neither can I. But Jesus promised. I want you to see what he says. Look at verse 28. And he says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I want you to see verse 27 too. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So we become his sheep. How? By faith, by believing on Christ and his finished work on the cross. The Bible says in John 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. He told Nicodemus who came at that, that evening and he said, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice. Do you understand that this word that I preached today, this is Jesus' voice. He is the living word. And when we preach the word of God, people have an opportunity to know the truth and to respond to it. And that's how you and I are saved. No one in here was saved without God's word. 
No one. We, we, we all had to hear the truth of Jesus and, and our sin nature and how it separates us from God and our need for Him to save us from ourselves, to save us from death, hell, and the grave, and, and to give us eternal life. And this is what Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know some of you, you've heard the gospel preached thousands upon thousands of times, but every time you hear it preached, it still excites you. That's me. <laughs> I never get bored preaching the gospel. I get to do this. I'm, they're going to have to roll. I, I told the earlier service, I know I'm the interim pastor and Pastor Shane too. And that, you know, the young horses are going to come up and, and take the reins one day. Um, but let me tell you what, they're going to have to wheelchair me out of here. I'm a, I'm a preach until I don't plan on retiring. I plan on preaching until there's no breath in my lungs. I plan on preaching until there's no strength in my legs. I plan on preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ until the day he calls me home. I've seen it. My friend, his, his dad uh, passed away uh, right after preaching the sermon. I said, hey, that's the way to go. I have a friend who's in heaven this week. Met him several years ago. He's a missionary to Iraq. Last week. Some Iraqis burst into his home and shot him in front of his family, wife and four kids. He's in glory. And I know he heard the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I'm telling you, some of you got to grasp this right here. You got you to gotta see life the way that uh, I think the Bible uh, inc- uh, instructs us to see it. You can live your whole life in this culture living like the world and you can waste it on things that won't matter or whosoever gives his life will lose his life will find it you will find the the fulfillment that comes in serving the Lord Jesus Christ and living for his kingdom and not your own I'm telling you that's what a lot of you in here are missing you are missing the joy that comes from a life surrendered to God and I don't know what it looks like for you it may you might be smack dab in the will of God right now as you clock in at Northrop but you're a witness on those lunch breaks oh you're pouring into somebody I'm telling you 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 do what God calls you to do but I'm telling you there are many also in this room who aren't living the will of God who are living in the world and and the extent of your Christianity is to come and sit down and watch me scream and spit for an hour on a week and I'm telling you that's not Christianity that's never been Christianity that's never been the will of God for our lives the will of God is that we should live unto Christ and that we should be willing to even die for him if it need be Paul said it for me to live is Christ and to die is gain do you believe that? Do you believe, and I say this all the time because I have to remind myself, because I get caught up in it, this world too. I see the commercials with the new Mercedes Benz and the new house and the, and the, you know, I see it and sometimes it, it gets me thinking like, man, I'm missing out on something. But no, God has, I, I tell you guys this because I need to be reminded of it, but what's waiting for us as Christians is far better than anything that this world has to offer. And what you want to do and what I want to do is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. I want there to be crowns that I can lay at Jesus' feet. I don't want to live for this world where the thief breaks through and steals and the moth corrupts. And I'm telling you, I want to live for Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage someone in here this morning to, to do the same. 
So Jesus, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You want to know what the sign of someone who's truly been saved is? It's that they follow Jesus. Obedience. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Do you, you know what's very scary is that there's, there's no shortage of Sunday morning church attenders, you know. I, I mean, you'll find churches across this country that are packed filled with people who profess to know Christ, but their lives say something completely different. Where is the disconnect? Jesus said, if you're my sheep, you hear my voice and you follow me. You go where I tell you to go. You do what I've called you to do. And um, sheep hear and they obey. But many in the modern church today are the contrary. I was reading a commentary and it, and it said this and it kind of hit me. And, and it says, the biblical writers did not have such a shallow view of salvation that they would consider walking an aisle of a church and going through the waters of baptism as to be the guarantee of salvation. I say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, I, I fear this to be true, that there are many who are in the pews who are not sheep, who have not truly given their hearts to Christ. You see, in the first century, to follow Jesus, it to really do that, it would have cost you everything. Your faith, there would be no denying your faith. There would be no, uh, there would be no way that you can, uh, be willing to leave your family, to leave, uh, the, 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 the society and the norm of that day to follow Christ, uh, without there being genuine faith on the inside. And what I'm saying to, to us this morning in the American church, could it be that we have many false professions in the church? People who say, my mama told me I prayed a prayer when I was five years old. My daddy said I got baptized when I was seven years old. But there's no fruit. There's no desire for Christ. There's no hunger for the word of God. There's no desire to share or witness, uh, tell others about the gospel. You've never led anybody to Jesus Christ. You've never had a desire to uh, you worship isn't really the heartbeat of your life. I'm telling you, there's no fruit and sin is just reigning in your life. You want to tell me something? That doesn't add up. Now, I'm not saying if you're here this morning and you're struggling, I'm struggling with things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you're straying for a season, we all stray. We all fall short of the glory of God. But what I'm saying, if there is never any conviction, if there is not much fruit at all, if any, uh, you may want to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You may want to go to the word of God. You may want to pray and say, God, am I yours? Confirm, uh, Lord, through your Holy Spirit's witness. I'm telling you, don't play around with your salvation. Don't. We have this cultural Christianity in America. Everybody you meet is a Christian. I'm telling you, I can't tell you the times in my, <laughs> I have, you know, God, you know, cussing me out, and then I told him I'm a pastor, and then he just switches, you know, oh, I'm a Christian too, you know. Or men who sit in the pews every week, they go home and they, they hit their wives, they, they, they abuse their children. I'm telling you, they, they're drunkards. They're, they're, I'm telling you, they have no fruit in their lives. And I'm telling you, you mean to tell me that you have the Spirit of God within you if that's who you are all the time? I'm telling you, no, my friend. 
No, my friend. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How are you doing? Are you following Jesus to the best of your ability? Are you... See, we don't like to preach this type of uh, messages today in America. I could, I could never preach this in the seeker-sensitive churches of America because uh, we, we want easy believism. I, I've been a part of those type of events at churches where you just get people to repeat after you uh, a prayer, and you know, then you get to go brag that, hey, I led 15 people to Christ today. And I've been in those churches where they get really big, really fast, but in a year, half, no, 80% of those converts are nowhere to be found. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says this, if they went out from us, 1 John 2, 19, it says that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Listen to this. One of the true signs of salvation is, is continuing in the faith. It is walking with God. Not perfectly. We all stumble. We all, I just want to be honest, you know, we all fail. But the true sign of conversion is that we get back up again. The Bible says a just man. What, is, what does that mean, a just man? A man who's been saved. Falls seven times, but he gets back up again. I want to encourage somebody in this room. Maybe you fail this week, but I'm thankful you're here this morning. I'm not preaching to you this morning. I'd rather you come in here limping from the week <laughs> and say, I'm not done yet, though. God's not done with me. I'm thankful God's not done with me. Oh, there's no way I'd be up here if he was done with me. He should have been done with me many years ago. I failed him so many times. But I'm telling you, he came and picked me up out of the miry clay every single time I repented. Every single time I ran to my father, his arms were open just like the prodigal son. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not preaching to you this morning if you're struggling. I love you. I'm for you. I'm praying for you. But if you're a cold-hearted, no fruit, no desire, no worship, no anything. And, and there's, there's nothing that would point to you loving the Lord. Oh, I worry for you. We hear of every other week another Christian leader deconstructing. We've come up with a new word, deconstructing, for people who have walked away from the faith. And I'm, I'm believing that some of those, not all of them, but... Some of them, they were never constructed. They went through the motions, and it never went from here to here. Oh, you know, the way to hell is from here to here. The distance between heaven and hell is from here to here. You could hear, you could have intellectual knowledge of God and not know him. Not love him. Oh, my prayer for my children is not that I teach them a whole set of rules. My, my desire, my prayer is that my kids fall in love with Jesus and want to serve him and that I don't do anything to offend them. 
I get out the way and say, look to Jesus. Oh, daddy's imperfect. I've had to apologize to him so many times. Daddy gets it wrong. Oh, I'm trying though. I love Jesus. I want you to know he's my savior. He, he gets me up when I'm down. And I, I just want to encourage some of you this morning. Hey, you, you don't, you beat your children up, uh, when they fall. You, you're, you're hard and you're, you're, you're calloused. And I'm telling you what that does to our children is it, it gives a bad view of, of what Christianity is and who our savior is. And I'm telling you, Jesus, he was found most with the publicans and the sinners and the harlots. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, hey, there go any of us except for Jesus' grace in our lives. I know who I am. I know who you are, too. We're depraved. But I heard his voice. By his grace, I'm following my Savior. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give unto them eternal life. Look at verse 28. I give them eternal life. So for those who follow him in faith, those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives them eternal life. I want you to know this morning, eternal life is eternal life. I want to say that again. Eternal life is eternal life. It does not end and that is the prominent aspect of eternal life. And this is where I, I don't agree with those who would say that someone can lose their salvation. Because was it ever eternal if it could be lost? Were you ever in if you could be out? I'm telling you, this is not what scripture uh, alludes to. And so many people want to read in sometimes to the, the text. But I can uh, share uh, hundreds of verses that tend towards the fact that if we are his sheep, that we could never perish. We, if we are his sheep, that no man could pluck us out of his hand. If we are his sheep, that we are secure in him. And I want to tell somebody this. The devil does everything he can to get you to doubt your salvation. Why? So that you can just be quiet and not wait. Witness. So that you can walk through life uh, without the boldness of God, the fullness of the spirit to be uh, a terror to the kingdom of darkness. And I'm telling you this morning, some of you need to hear this again. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Hey, this body is perishing, right? But my soul is secure. Like like the song says, it is well with my soul. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I've been to enough funerals. I've preached enough funerals, another one this week, to understand that my time and your time is coming sooner than we may anticipate. But I'm so thankful for the assurance of the Holy Spirit, the promise that Jesus has given me, that I have eternal life waiting for me. I have a home in heaven, a mansion that he's preparing for me, where I will spend eternity in his presence my friends. Somebody in here this morning needs to be reminded who you belong to. You need to stop going through life fearful and, and trying to preserve yourself in every way you can. I'm telling you, you got eternal life when you got Jesus. He is the treasure, but with that comes the benefits, my friends. Our shepherd gives us eternal life. He says, they shall never perish. And he says, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Oh, aren't you thankful this morning that he is holding on to us, not us to him? You ever have a bad day or a bad month or a bad year? And some believe that if you die during that time of backsliding, that you, there's no hope for you. 
They take Hebrews 6, I think, out of context. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus says, I hold my sheep in my hand, and neither will anyone pluck them or snatch them out of my hand. Those nail-scarred hands, they hold on to you and I, and we are secure in that. We are safe in him. Right now, we are seated in the heavenlies. We are written in the Lamb's book of life, if you have Christ this morning. And your, <laughs> your future is secure because of who it is who has you. Now, I want to just be clear, as I said a few times in this message, that sheep, we, we, uh, we have a, there's, there should be evidence of our salvation through our lives. But I want you to understand that our lives do not earn us salvation. There, even our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. Us on our best day, I always say this, on our best day, on our best behavior, in our best clothes, we fall short. There's where the grace of God comes in. And the grace of God is greater than all of our sin. And I, I want to tell you what, the Bible says that we don't continue in sin so that grace may abound. God forbid that. But the grace is there when we do fall. Grace is that safety net. I remember one time I went to do uh, the indoor bungee jumping with those cords and, you know, and I don't know what I was thinking that day, but feeling a little frisky and I went with some friends and I got on there and it was crazy, you know, it was spinning and all this stuff. And But under that, they have this big safety net. They have a big safety net. And uh, so that you, if something, God forbid, were to happen, if you were to fall out or whatever, hopefully that net is designed to catch you, right, to, to save you. And I want you to understand that Jesus said, I'm that safety net. I am your, I'm the one that's going to hold on to you. I am the one that is going to bring you to your expected end. And he says, uh, no one, not even yourself, can pluck you out of my hand. He goes a little further. And he says, the Father also holds us. I want you to see it. Verse 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. So he speaks about the Father. He gives him honor. And he says, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So we have Jesus and the Father holding on to us. Don't you, do you get that picture there? Jesus and the Father are holding on to you. This is why, like I said, I just can't rock with this thing that you can lose it. Because that's saying that we can, can somehow supersede God's promises, his power, his, his strength to keep us until the end. Sometimes when we travel or, you know, we get to home late and my children fall asleep in the car and, and you know, um, I have to pick them up and carry them to their room and put them in their bed and sometimes they wake up the next morning and they don't even remember how they got from the car you know to their bed and they were and I had a few times where they've asked me how did I end up here and I told you I would tell them hey I, I put you there I brought you there and I want to tell some of you this morning your father in heaven he's going to bring you from here to eternity he's going to carry you through this life to <laughs> the glorious 
hope of heaven that we have one day. And it's not because of our performance. It's not because we were some a super Christian. It's because of what Jesus has done. Amen. Jesus, he then is going to double down on his deity. He says in verse number 30, I and my father are one. <laughs> he didn't want anybody to be confused. Remember, they said, speak to us plainly. And he says to them, I and the father, we're like this. We're one. I am equal to the father. And of course, their response was to pick up stones because they would have understood very clearly what the cults don't get today and what many people don't understand today, that Jesus was God in the flesh, and he claimed to be God. There are many cults who teach that Jesus never said that he was God. Well, here's a really good verse. He does. He says, I am equal with the Father. He said, I am of the same essence. I know that word can get twisted off with some uh, modalists and other doctrines that I won't even spend the time trying to explain to you. Um, But I want you to know, Jesus, whom we trust, what he says, and we're going to get to it in John 14, he said, you believe in God. I preached this at a funeral this week. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am there, you may be also. I want you to understand this morning, our hope is secure. Our future is settled. We have nothing to fear in this life. You don't have to fear death, my friend. My buddy, my buddy Stephen, Joel, he's with Jesus right now. And I want to encourage us with that. When you walk out of here today, know that you are more than a conqueror because of your Savior. Because of who you belong to, that's where you find your worth. Not because of your net worth. We saw, you know, I talked about it on Wednesday, how we saw Kanye get stripped of billions of dollars in a week, right? We see it, we see it come and it go in this world, right? Their love is very fickle. They're, you know, they'll cancel you in a heart that you do one, one thing wrong. I don't care about your entire life. They'll cancel you. That's not our God. His love is beyond what we could possibly understand. And he loves us, and he promised us eternal life. This morning, I, I hope that you've already opened your heart to him. If you haven't, today would be uh, the perfect day to do it. To say, Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I need you as my Savior. I'm believing on you. You be my Lord. You be my Savior. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, until the end. And I want to encourage some of you, maybe you stumbled this week. You, you, you went back to that old sin or whatever it might be. You, you, you walked in here limping today, discouraged spiritually. I want to encourage you. Oh, this great salvation. It is all that we could imagine and more. And because we are his, we can get back up again and follow him. And, and it could be our fellowship with God can be restored to what he intended for it to be. And I just want to encourage somebody with that this morning. Come to your father this morning.